Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place for free. Record from anywhere, unlimited free hosting, one-click distribution, podcast with friends, family, and all at one axis of a click. Welcome to week two of the Vax Box. Today we have Miss Crystal Demas, who is going to share with us her experience in working within the whole COVID area, within that community, how she feels about that, how that has impacted her, what she's observed. And, you know, let's just get a little bit into it. So welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I know you've been in this field for some time now. Help us put a title to it properly. So I am a certified pharmacy technician for the last 10 years. You're a vet in this thing, Crystal. You're a vet. You got 10 years (laughs) under your belt. (laughs) How did you get started in this? So actually, I went to a medical magnet uh, high school here in Los Angeles, King Drew. Mm -hmm. And so in the 11th grade, there is an elective called hospital occupations and so i participated in that elective some of the rotations you get to go through i selected pharmacy and i liked it and so fast forward years well after me being in college i was looking for a new job and mm-hmm. uh, my employer had a post i'm like well i did something like that in high school so i put it out there just to see and in dc there are different requirements because it's federal there is no state law um governing pharmacy there so i was mm-hmm. able to get in in dc and they trained me and all of that and then when i moved back to california i just had to get my license so actually, this started in high school. Wow. So it's like you're destined for this then, Crystal. It's like <laughs> you literally just had to walk straight up into this. <laughs> Things aligned. Things aligned. <laughs> Most definitely. Walk us through a day in your life at work, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Okay, well, pharmacy is a very monotonous, wash, rinse, repeat kind of thing. The job does not change. You know, you receive prescriptions, you process them, and you fill them. That's the job. But I also work in a retail pharmacy. And so it's the retail setting that was most impacted. With all of the changing protocols and things, we're getting information from corporate and from the county like daily in the beginning of it. So there was a lot of um, needing to be flexible, a lot of attention to emails and things of that nature so that we could make sure that we were in compliance with the new requirements requirements uh, to keep the doors open. We are an essential business. People need their medication despite what's going on in the world. So there was constant communication from the upper levels of government as well as just the management of my company, even insurance companies, because people are needing to request medication early or needing to stock up on more than just a month's supply of it at a time because they're being told they can't leave their homes. So the way that medications were paid for changed slightly. The most significant difference in terms of the filling of prescriptions was that gap in the flu season this past year. Like we weren't filling prescriptions for kids getting earaches. We weren't filling prescriptions for ringworm. We weren't filling prescriptions for last, those things that happen in schools. All of those school-based or communal-based ailments and illnesses that people are exposed to, 
because they are locked in their homes, they were not exposed. So yeah. prescriptions for those kinds of things went way down. People are having to wear masks all the time. So the prescriptions for even allergy sufferers went way down. So it was mostly just filling of, you know, people's maintenance medications for their high blood pressure, their diabetes, those kinds of disease states. So that was shocking in a lot of ways. But the foot traffic never changed. Mm. And that was alarming <laughs> when we're getting all these directives, stay home, only do essential things. But because right. we are a pharmacy and we are essential, people will be like, well, let me go down to the pharmacy just so I have a reason to get out of the house. People <laughs> would be perusing the aisles with great detail, reading the backs of packages. We're like, no, make you a list, execute that list, get in and get out. You can make the order before you get here. We will have it packaged and ready. And people would not utilize those services because they were just so anxious to not be in their houses. So, so that was like, really interesting. <laughs> so as I it was like taking a field trip to the pharmacy then. Yeah. Like that was where you came to kick it with your friends. People were talking, you know, people always talk on their cell phones and have extremely personal conversations in this day and age, wherever they are. But the amount of things that I overheard in the pharmacy during this past year is just, I mean. <laughs> like you have to pray for God to cover your ears, huh? My Lord. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's interesting that that's very interesting we follow each other on socials yes and i recall you shared a very passionate video about how at the end of a day if you realize like say somebody don't show up for their appointment and mm -hmm. stuff the vaccination is going to be wasted if nobody comes in and i recall you even posting like hey i have this amount of vaccine yes. available you can come before this time it's perfect yes. and you broke down in one of your videos because of the severity of it yeah share with our listeners how you feel about this and you can even touch on that afterwards if you want share with us how this covid situation is impacting or has impacted okay well i've shared lots of videos uh, throughout the course of this in the beginning the videos were about how to properly use a face mask because people would come in with them as chin straps People would come in with them below their nose. I'm like, this is not what we're after. We're after covering your nose and your mouth. That's what we need. That's what we need to see. So that was the beginning. In the beginning stages of the pandemic, we're not there any longer as far as the vaccination urgency. We're at a very different place now. It's reluctance steadfast reluctance in a lot of people. But in the beginning, in Los Angeles County, the way things rolled out was that first they prioritized people 65 and up. That's how that started. So there was a period of time where you could only get the vaccine if you were 65 years of age or older. Then they expanded that to healthcare workers such as myself. Ironically, though my coworkers and I work in the same store, we back in the pharmacy could get vaccinated, but the people who ran the cashier in the front were not yet eligible. Same store. So they tried to break it down into people who were most at risk. So you have your seniors and then frontline workers. 
this was the thing. And then they did teachers. And so during that time, we could only, per LA County protocol, vaccinate the people who had been cleared to be vaccinated at that time. They had tiers. It was like a triage system in an emergency situation because this, in fact, was an emergency situation. Okay. With that, and with all the fear and panic, there were what we call line jumpers. And so you would have situations where people who were not eligible to make appointments would make appointments for themselves and then show up. We had to verify how it was that you were eligible to have made the appointment that you were now here for. So if you did not have an ID showing that you were 65 up, if you mm -hmm. did not have some healthcare credential, we would have to turn you away. And people got all kinds of creative in terms of, you know, your healthcare adjacent, you know, or, or I'm teaching a Jason, I had a parent volunteer show up to get a vaccine when they released the, the shots for teachers back in March. But ma'am, you are a parent is what you are. You're a volunteer at your child's school. <laughs> that is not a teacher, my dear. And so I had to turn her away. And so that was what I was really upset about because we had that going on. And then my particular pharmacy is in Inglewood, California. Inglewood is a predominantly black and brown community. This is the same community who has been ravished by this disease. But on the flip side, because of disparity in care, and discrimination and blatant racism in the health community towards black people. The Tuskegee experiment gets thrown around quite a bit in that regard. There's hesitancy for you sticking something in my arm that I don't know what it is. And it came from the government and the government has never done right by me, right? So right. there was fear in the black community. And so there was reluctance to make appointments. So we have a perfect storm at my specific location. I typically service black and brown people. You have black and brown people who are afraid to get the shot. So they're not making appointments at my store. So then I had a confluence of just all of these either not eligible yet people or people who are eligible, but I am nowhere near their community. I had people coming from as far as San Francisco. But that's like a good six hour drive. Listen to me, okay? San Francisco. Mind you, you're not allowed in LA County. Right. If you were not an LA County resident, we were not supposed to give you the shot. So this this young, he was 24 years old, an affluent white male, drove down from San Francisco, which is one of the most expensive cities to live in the entire state and in the country, no less. He drove down from San Francisco, got himself an Airbnb, and then took a one delivery order for Postmates so that he could say that he was an essential worker and working in Los Angeles. And I had to give him a shot. The anger that I felt. I had so many people come from Hermosa Beach and the beach cities. And I counted. This is not even me like just guesstimating. I, once I noticed the trend, I began to tally. About 83% of the vaccines that I gave in Inglewood mm -hmm. went to people who lived in Hermosa Beach or Marina Del Rey. That's where my vaccines were going. At one point, LA County listed 
uh, the vaccination rate per neighborhood. And my neighborhood was at 8%, whereas Hermosa Beach was at 32% and Marina Del Rey was at 34 That was very painful to experience and to feel like I had a hand in. I had people calling me day and night. I know so many people who have lost loved ones to this virus. And to see what I felt was just an injustice in some way, right? It, it mm-hmm. just, it was just, it was hard. It was really hard. And now we're out of that, right? The vaccine is available. In the beginning, we had to sign an affidavit stating that we would do everything in our power to not waste a shot. So when we opened a vial, we had to do our best to guarantee that nothing was wasted. That affidavit has since been destroyed because now the most important thing, we have the supply, we need to get vaccines in people's arms. And so even if I'm going to have to waste an entire vial, if you come to me now asking without an appointment, you don't even need to make appointments at this time. You can just mm-hmm. walk in where we are to give it away. And so we're in a very different place. And when I made that video, my community, even my own patients have now gotten the vaccine, but there's still a high degree of reluctance. Here you have the resources available for the people within the area mm-hmm. and we are literally the ones who are literally i i would probably say we were the ones who were more at risk or are the ones that are actually dying more than yes. anything else yes to this to, to this virus yes and we're hesitant yes and it's going to waste mm-hmm. i will have people like i said because it's open now you can just walk in there are some who will walk in and someone in the line will be like, don't get that shot. You know what they put in there. <laughs> and in some some instances, that will deter them. They will be like, you know, I'm going to think more about it and I'll come back. But I don't need an appointment, right? Okay, I'm going to come back later. Because they had one person who have never seen before in their life <laughs> tell them they shouldn't get it. And that is also what I'm seeing a lot. As you said on social media, there are so many false misleading and errant pieces of misinformation out there that it's really hard to combat. And if experts are no longer experts, I really don't know what we're going to be able to do. I'm not an immunologist, right? I'm a pharmacy technician. So I have to defer to the expertise of someone who spent their life doing this. They went to school for this. They paid money to be good at this. They put in the service hours for this. They have to have peer review research. What peer review research is taking place on Facebook? I don't think there is any. <laughs> Self-proclaimed, I tell you. But people will take it, it, you know, because there is, again, that very real concern. And so in this way, Black people specifically are getting it both ways. It's mm-hmm. kind of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. Or trying to pick the lesser of two evils. And so some people are like, well, I'm going to take my chances. I haven't gotten sick so far. I typically don't get sick. I have a decent immune system. I think I'm just going to take this elderberry and this vitamin C and hope for the best because they have that level of distrust for the government and it's not misplaced. And that is the thing that is so hard to get through to because the fear that they have is legitimate. 
and we can do everything that we can to show, well, look, an African-American woman has the patent for this vaccine. She did the research prior to the Trump administration, and they had this technology in the works long before this virus even took place because they anticipated something like this happening. And so they did the work in advance to be able to produce the vaccine quickly should we need it. And we did, and now it's here, and you don't have to be afraid. Look at all these other people who took the vaccine. Look at these prominent Black people telling you you should get the vaccine. Look at this. Look at that. Incentive here. Let's give you a $50 gas coupon. Let's give you a, a raffle ticket to win a million dollars that you can get the vaccine. And people are like, no, nah, y'all trying too hard. Something must be wrong with it if you're trying this hard to get me to get this vaccine. And it's just so difficult. It's so difficult. Wow. This, uh, this it's, it's literally a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. And it's rather interesting because I know I felt some kind of way when I watched that video. So has anyone reached out to you about this? Since you've posted these videos, has anyone reached out been like, okay, my perception or my view of the whole vaccination situation has changed since? It wasn't a reaching out to me. It was a me reaching out to my community because mm-hmm. I'm, I saw, I'm like, okay, Crystal, if this is bothering you this much, you have these people who are not, who don't have an appointment, you know, other people who need a vaccine and don't have an appointment. Why don't you call the people in the community that you know? And so I compiled a list of my patients. The company had already compiled a list. Let me be clear on that. There was a protocol in place for what to do in the event that we had a wasted shot, who to call in the event, in the event we had a wasted shot. And if none of those people to make an announcement within the store were already physically there, come in and vaccinate. We didn't get an opportunity to do any of that because we were so attacked and harassed all day by these other people, right? And so I just made my own list. And so I, like you said, you saw a post on me from, from social media. I live in the community. Mm-hmm. I'm the only person in my pharmacy team who actually lives there, right? I live 12 minutes away from my job. And so if you know me, chances are you live close to me. You can be there in 15 minutes because you also live in the community. That is your neighborhood pharmacy. So I will put out on my social media, like, look, I got eight shots left. Can you be here by 930? Text me. And folks, I was successfully able to vaccinate a lot of a lot of people that I know that got vaccinated, I vaccinated. And so that was the way that that kind of ran its course. No one came looking to actually, the people who reached out to me were the affluence that I know, right? And so I have people, because I'm also an actor, mm-hmm. people who live in like Glendale and Burbank and <laughs> were like, hey, can I get one? I'm like, no, nah, you're not going to make it, bro. Like, <laughs> this is not for you. <laughs> like, you need to be here in 15 minutes, like 15 actual minutes not 15 LA minutes, you know, like not with traffic, give or take 35. No, I need you here in 15 minutes. And so those who reached out, I was just like, I'm sorry, I can't help. That's (laughs) very much interesting. What is one, if you had, if you could find one or share one, what would you say is one of the most memorable moments that you've had working during this season? Oh, good Lord. One, one memorable season. Honestly, a lot of it is a blur. Because I had to uh, just put my head down and kind of float outside of my body just for self-preservation. But I think the most memorable moment would be the first day. I think it was March either 15th or 
16, 17, one of those when we got shut down in LA County. Mm -hmm. My store was bare. There was, we had no toilet paper. We had no paper towels. We had no soap. We had no deodorant. They took all the games. Like, people was like, well, we're going to be in the house for a while. Let me get this game of Scrabble. <laughs> and so, wow. like, there was nothing. Even our very small, paltry little selection of frozen foods, that okay. was gone. And imagine being at work while there is a run on the place. And you're like, well, I'm going to need stuff, too. When are you going to have a chance to step away to take care of your own needs? Right. So that I think was the most like in my mind, that is the image of the pandemic. Fair shelves and people hostile. Like people were so where I work, there's a lot of plazas. So we share a parking lot with a superior grocer. Mm -hmm. And one of the cashiers who works over there came to pick up her medicine and she cried. She was like, Crystal, I have never been so scared in my life. She she said she had one go back. At the end of the day, it was one thing of um, prego pasta sauce, and the shelves are completely empty. Empty. And she goes to put that one thing back and realizes that she literally has to read the tag. How has this affected you physically, mentally, and emotionally? Oh, child. So <laughs> it, it, it kicked my butt. I'm not going to hold you at all. It, Like I said, before about having to hover above myself and kind of step out of things i was so so stressed imagine being in fight or flight every day right mm. so like your stomach locks because your body is trying to give you the energy that you need to fight or to run and so like no matter what i eat i'm having like my digestion is shot i'm nauseous or queasy or vomiting or something is wrong like all the time so there's that i've developed asthma uh we i think i have a we discovered i have a dust mite allergy so because i'm in the house all day when i'm not at work like that was it i would go to work and i would come home so being home all the time i can't breathe and then we have to go out and be in masks I have now asthma. I've never had asthma before, but now, mm. now I have asthma. In the beginning days of the pandemic, I was in therapy, but my therapist was a student therapist and he was doing his practicum or whatever mm -hmm. um, before he went into his graduate program. So in the middle of that, he ended up getting placed in a program in Milwaukee. So obviously he left, right? And so then I was like on my own. But I felt personally in a really good place. Like for my, my finances were flourishing. I had time to dedicate to a project that I was working on that I otherwise wouldn't have. I'm an introvert. So being in the house by mandate is like a dream come true. Like that right. was for me. Right. But then the flip side of it is me, you telling me all day that you're safer at home and I have to go out all the time. That freaked me out. I didn't hug my mom who I live with until I vaccinated her, until she got her second vaccine. I did not hug her that entire time. We are social distancing in the house. I would come in the house. I would strip down to my, my underwear, throw my clothes in the washer. I would call her before I came upstairs to make sure she wasn't in the common area. Like, go to your room. I'm going to come in so that I was not around her. 
and we were six feet apart the whole time. My family cannot believe it. They're calling us like, hey, we're going to be in a bubble together. You like, you guys want to come over for dinner and blah, blah, blah. We're just going to stay together. I'm like, y'all, I cannot come anywhere near you. I am at risk every single day. And the idea that I could be the one to infect my family was such a burden on me mentally. Like it, I felt like I was the threat. Me mm. personally. I It was me. It wasn't Corona necessarily because they were in the house. For the most part, they were doing what they were supposed to do. But it was me. I would be the threat to them. And so that was brutal on my mental health. And when the restrictions started lifting earlier this year, it was like panic. I felt as more restrictions were coming off, as we were moving through those colored tiers and things were opening up, mm -hmm. it was like, okay, we're turning the corner. And now my mind is like, well, now we have to deal with what we did before. And it was just such a suffocating thing that I, I took two weeks off because I'm like, I just need to be by myself somewhere. I just need some time to process. I told my agent, as far as my acting goes, do not send me out on any auditions in this time because I cannot, I can't, I cannot do it. And so actually tomorrow will be my first day back in therapy because I need help with this Delta variant, believing that fat meat is greasy, that took a huge toll and is still taking a huge toll. Listen, power to you, like power, because I'm an advocate for mental health. Mm -hmm. I'm an advocate for therapy. I'm for it because it, it is something that's needed. Yes. If you need it, seek it. It, it helps. Mm -hmm. You're not crazy. I promise you're not crazy. It's okay to go get it. So I'm with that. Definitely. <laughs> I literally, because I've been engaged in conversations before where I heard people say, oh no, if I go, to, if I seek therapy, that means I have issues and means I'm crazy and therapies mm -hmm. are crazy people. Are like, mm -hmm. nah, bro, <laughs> that's yeah. not the case. Actually, yeah. you look at life way better if you actually go find a therapist. Just Surely. try one session and you'll see how re relaxing it is. Sure. It is it is work, you know, because there's a type of vulnerability there mm -hmm. when you have someone who can see you in a different way and help you to see your circumstances and your situations. Mm -hmm. you know, it's right. a way to they call reframing, you know, reframe how you're looking at this is a change in perspective. And then you are presented with choices. You know, right. like, do I want to continue on in this pattern or do I want to do what's necessary to change it? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the necessary thing is confronting something and that's scary, you know? And so, and then there's also just the stigma, you know, people don't want to need medication. They, even for non-psychotic type of thing, people don't want to believe they have high blood have high blood pressure. People don't want to believe that they have diabetes, you know, or they'll take the medicine and not make any other changes, you know. So people have difficulty grasping what care really is across the board. But really, when it comes to mental health, we had a culture for so long that would just say, suck it up. Mm -hmm. Or that you are weak in some way or somehow deficient if you needed help processing your emotions. And that's just ridiculous. Has this literally affected, I know you covered a little bit of it, that it, it affected how you socialize with your family and all that because you stayed to yourself. Mm -hmm. But how did this affect your social life? Well, I have been blessed with some really dope 
women in my life. You know all of them. Uh, <laughs> minus one, uh, my very, very best best friend who's been my best friend since high school. I was able to be supported in ways that I don't think I would have availed myself to be supported because I'm you know, a black woman and mm-hmm. we have what psychologists have now coined black woman syndrome, you know, strong black woman syndrome. So mm-hmm. we're often socialized to think that we can't ask for help or that we shouldn't expect help because help is not going to come. Right. So in the way that I would socialize, we would, you know, maintain a, a weekly Zoom or make it a point to check in with each other. And so in that way, a lot of my relationships flourished because I had to prioritize them. Like, I'm not just going to run into you at such and such event. I have to put you on my calendar. I have to reach out to you. And so in that way, there was a lot of blessing. You know, I was able to connect with people in kind of meaningful ways because it was just conversation, checking in with them mentally, burden bearing with one another. Um, So that there was a level of beauty there because just the closest of being in the trenches with somebody, like that's a a bonding, binding kind of event. Wow. So they've literally helped to keep you afloat then. Yes, absolutely. Actually, so we call ourselves the motherboard because we all got old souls and we all are heavily churched. (laughs) And so the motherboard showed up at my job. Okay. I was, I expressed that I was just feeling fatigued. I was feeling down. I was feeling lost. I was discouraged. Right. And so they showed up masks and all socially distanced, brought me flowers a, a handwritten card just with different words of encouragement towards me. They got me some candy and some some baked goods, you know, to comfort my soul. Hallelujah. And balloons. So that that man, you know, in terms of solidifying who is there for you, who is really in your corner, who your friends are this season. I know who my friends are and I know that they are there for me and I know that I can count on them. You see, God just knows exactly what we need when we need it. And he just provides it. Yes. Definitely. Do you think, though, that government officials are doing enough to promote vaccination and COVID safety in general in Los Angeles? So while I do not agree with her politics, the governor of Alabama, Kay Ivey, was asked that same question by a reporter recently. And she's like, what do you want me to do? Like, all I can do is encourage somebody. I can't make you care about yourself. You know, I can, and people are, if you, basically, if you want to be stupid, if you want to not listen to reason, what can I do? Right. What can I do? Because it's, as I said earlier, if experts are no longer experts, then what hope do we have? I, I, I don't know how, how what, are, what, what are they supposed to do? They've made it available. They have all types of pop-up things. Um, the stadiums are still, as far as I know, still available. You can get it at any pharmacy and just walk in and get it. It could not be easier at this point to be vaccinated. It could mm-hmm. not be easier. All of the information as far as its efficacy, as far as its intended use, people, all of the claims have been rebuffed, have been debunked. What what are what are they supposed to do? I just I I don't I don't see it. So I do think that there was a gross misstep by the CDC when they were saying that vaccinated people could now go without uh, masks. 
though they mm -hmm. are backpedaling on that. I believe that was done to try to incentivize people to be vaccinated. Like, oh, look, if I get a vaccine, I can do without this mask. Mm -hmm. Not taking into account how dishonest people can be. And so <laughs> you didn't give anyone any authority to enforce it. Businesses are not going to take that upon themselves to enforce because you're putting their employees in, at risk. Right. People have been shot and killed over enforcing mask requirements. So who's going to check them? Right. You can just it's an honor system in a dishonorable world. So I don't know. I don't know what they could do. I don't do logistics. I'm not an administrative person. Mm -hmm. I like not having to tell people what to do. And so for this, I, I, I don't I don't know what else can be done. You've got all kinds of incentives. You've removed all the obstacles. You've made the information available to anyone who actually wants it. At this but, point, it's like, if you ain't got it by now, you just ain't getting it. Okay, but another question though. Do you think that all the resources were being used to communicate information to people in the initial stage versus no? Like text messaging, the emails, the newspaper, what? all that. Do you think that was being done initially? In LA County? Compared to now? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. In the, I mean, it was it was almost annoying. We were getting those really loud alerts, you know, that set your phone off. Uh -huh. The the what do you call them? The emergency uh messaging system, EMS. Right. Mm -hmm. right? They were sending those out. They were telling you that there's a curfew in place. Uh, Mayor Garcetti had a press conference every day, mm -hmm. every single day. They were communicating. In, in the early days, it was so fast moving, and so they would get new information and they would disseminate that information. The information would be updated. They would update you. But people, I think, misunderstood the changes as they don't know what they're talking about, mm -hmm. as opposed to this is a rapidly changing situation. And so there was a lack of flexibility, I think, in the populace. But in the beginning, yes, they were on top of it. They were lauded across the board on CNN and NBC and all these places because they were on top of it in the beginning. There are some things that I wish they had held on for longer, but you know, I'm not in those rooms. We should have been more prepared, right? Right. Because we knew that this was a possibility. It's not like pandemics or plagues are some type of new phenomenon. Mm -hmm. With what they had, I think they executed as good as anyone um, in the beginning. I'd probably differ just a little bit right there. Okay. Only because when I look at other countries... And even mm -hmm. other states. Mm -hmm. I believe New York had something going for them with how information was communicated to the mm -hmm. general populace. Okay. LA, I live here and I feel like when this just started, majority of the information was only on the TV or probably barely printed paper versus on socials. The present was not as rich mm. compared to other states. Okay. Because I believe that initially we could have done a little bit more where accepting people in, in our state was concerned. Because mm -hmm. even in the country in general, but that's a whole nother situation that we're yeah. not even touch right now. But I think now our presence is being felt more. As in, because I see the text messages coming in even more now. Mm -hmm. And uh, social media is like every second is something COVID that you can see all over. So I feel like that information is now being used more mm -hmm. versus say the first week when everybody just had the first the first scare when everybody was 
frantic and panicking. I believe that we could have done a little bit more with how information was communicated and what, and then again, it all these with the message that was pushed because when vaccination became available that was a whole chaos as you even mentioned it was a whole chaos where systems could have been in place the crisis management that is what was disappointing for me i I agree there crisis they're literally inevitable so in any situation you go like you should have a crisis management plan in place just basic foundation will get you off the ground irrespective of what it is so i feel like we were scrambling a little bit too much for information versus with all the resources we had available that should not have been the case i I guess you're right there is a a certain thing i didn't consider in that i am such a one who follows Mm -hmm. mayor garcetti on twitter i'm such a one who follow like these (laughs) i I follow them on facebook i follow Mm -hmm. so the information that they put out i was already in line to receive Mm -hmm. also i was seeking out the information if you did a a quick google search it was available like immediately it wasn't difficult the vaccine rollout that was painful that really was and i think a lot of it was as you said mismanagement but i don't think it was just that i think that there were a lot of balls in the air as far as logistics go because you have to negotiate with these stadiums to let them be spaces for you to to set up mass vaccination sites you have to negotiate with the government even to increase the allotment of supplies that you were getting in the beginning they were sending vaccines like drop shipping them to specific pharmacies and to hospitals is the largest healthcare provider in our state and they were competing like retail pharmacies so (laughs) i know that was a bit much to chew what else can be done though to eradicate this huge virus that is plaguing us what do you think can be done i ain't got the answers (laughs) i ain't got the answers i i ain't got the answers because you know we live in the land of the free right And so government mandates, I really don't know how that's going to go down. There are legal avenues in terms of being able to justify those kinds of mandates. But if it's, well, because we know largely it's a partisan issue, right? Right, right? And so now you have, you know, people like Chris Cuomo calling it the Trump vaccine, hoping mm. that it will help that part of the population see reason and protect themselves and others. But I think just as a society, we've kind of devolved and broken down. And so the collective good, I don't think registers with people as it should. People would rather suffer themselves to keep someone else from getting something that they feel they shouldn't have. And while that is the sentiment of half of the population just do the best you can and try to stay away from folks like that i I don't have much much hope honestly i I have no faith in these people because of what i've seen of them they're Mm -hmm. they're not going to budge and even people who have personally been affected i've had people like on social media and different places who have responded well i had it and i was okay and so why do i need to do such and such and such a thing so because you beat the odds because you escaped 
it's no longer a problem for anyone else. And then you think about, especially as it pertains to the vaccine and the completely unethical availability of it. We have people right. in America refusing vaccines when there are countries that can't even afford to purchase them for their population. Who would love to be vaccinated? Largely countries full of brown people. And so it's really frustrating. I don't I don't know what the path forward is. We're both people of faith, you know, and so we know what we're supposed to do. Right. You know, people who are called by the name of God, right, mm. are supposed to humble themselves and, and pray. pray. Come on now. And and seek his face and turn for our own wicked ways. And then we will hear from heaven and he will heal the land. So in terms of a faith perspective, the people of God are still not humble. The people of God have not turned from their wicked ways, especially when, again, half of that population that I was speaking of believes themselves to be people of God. And so I, I, I child, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Keep your mask on. That's what I can say. I'm with it. Um, I'm with it. That that's a great advice. That's huge, <laughs> and I believe it starts right there. Simple mathematics, simple solution. I'm with it. Do you have any resources that you'd probably suggest to recommend to the public to keep abreast, like for COVID stuff and health wise? Any resources, website, well, yeah, locations, etc. For LA, the public health website, it's kind of an archaic format. Like it's not very pretty in terms of navigating the website, but everything that you need for LA County is there. It's LA, it's publichealth.lacounty.gov. And so that website has all the regulations and protocols. You can follow um, Mayor Garcetti mm -hmm. on socials. You can also follow Governor Newsom. But I would also just say your local pharmacy is a great resource, especially as far as it pertains to vaccinations and helping to build your immunity and what that even means. Questions about supplements and all that kind of thing. Your neighborhood pharmacy team is a great resource for that. Perfect. Are you guys still offering vaccination at your, your pharmacy? Oh, yeah. We're not going to stop. So, yeah, I would just say go to the pharmacy. We probably have a pamphlet, some information, or other type of help for you. Okay. Sounds good. And for your pharmacy in particular, they just need to come in and they'll be... They'll yeah. So... Okay. Perfect. What needs to, you need to know your age, basically. So if if you are below eighteen, you need to go someplace who has Pfizer because only Pfizer is has been approved for ages twelve to eighteen to seventeen. So that demographic can only receive the Pfizer vaccine. Okay. If you're over eighteen, you can go literally anywhere. That sounds good, Crystal. Thank you so much. Or I let you go though. Mm -hmm. Do you have any final words for our listeners or the general public? Yes, I do. Trust the experts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Listen, that's very wise counsel. Very, very wise counsel because they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> we did not study that. So let's trust 
the experts let them do their jobs and as always as we try to be here we try to make sure that we cover all our grounds and with that being said remember happiness keeps you sweet trials keep you strong sars keep you human failures keep you humble success keeps you glowing but only faith keeps you going so be happy live simple get vaxxed and live a day longer mm. have a great one